Chancellor, and we have a really awesome show for you tonight. Um, I met this young man a couple of years ago. Um, he and some friends had started their own business, and they were just punks. <laughs> I mean, kids, good kids, but just kids. And they, they had a business they called The Other Guys, and they went on the car wash show with me, and they, they would do anything, odd jobs, like put up Christmas lights or do your you know, clean up around your yard. And I thought it was really cool that you had two or, or these, I think it was three kids. Um, Chase will be here and he can explain. But um, it was a really great story. Well, then I got a, an email or something from his dad. And uh, Chase, uh, his mother was recently uh, uh, hit by a car and killed uh, in Eugene Springfield area. And she had a history of being an addict and we're gonna talk about how she got there. Uh, but she left behind two children, uh, two little boys. And Chase is only 20 himself. Uh, and he now has plans to adopt his stepbrothers and uh, become their parent to take care of them. And I think that is uh, very much worth uh, doing a show on and talking to him and finding out uh, anything that we can find out that makes a young man uh, stand up and do something like that. Our sponsors tonight, Chris Dental Family Dentistry and Eugene, where everyone is welcome. They also do dentures now as well. A big sponsor of free speech, big sponsor of voices in a community, a huge sponsor of education. Uh, and he's my friend and he's a good guy. Also, Montana Oral Surgeons and Implant Center here in Helena, Montana. Uh, these are wonderful people. We'll be hearing a little bit more from them about what they do, but everything from implants to, uh, you know, need wisdom teeth taken out, anything like that. Not somebody you're looking for all the time, which when you need it, it's good to have them around. And also um, our other sponsor, let me pull up my thing here. Fairway Independent Mortgage Corporation, the Hinkle Lending Team. This is Greg Hinkle, a friend of mine. Uh, he's a mortgage lender. And he works, he is licensed in Oregon, Montana, and he's also in Washington State. He lives here in Helena, Montana. And he's all about helping you create wealth in your family through the purchase of real estate. So he's a great guy. He's the man you want to follow if you're looking to purchase property. All right. So let's get right to the topic here. Uh, this is my friend Chase McCord. Hey, Chase, how you doing, man? Good. How are you doing, Rick? I am doing well. You know, I knew you were going to be, a, you're just a good guy. I knew you were going to be a good guy. When I interviewed you, they had the other guys, you know, and that you guys had a novel idea. And, and now uh, I am so sorry to hear about your mom. Tell people what happened and when and kind of, kind of catch them up on that part of the story. Uh, yeah. So um, my mom was uh, living in California at the time of, of the accident. And um she had left this area because she was very guilty of her drug use and her addiction and how it was affecting our family and everything. And she didn't want the help that people were offering, offering her. So she was in the California Fresno area. And um, at uh, 6 a.m. is what reports were saying. She was walking the streets of Fresno and um, February 17th of this year was struck by a vehicle and um, fatally injured. Um, they started CPR on scene. 
got to the hospital and that's where they called it and she passed away. Um, and growing up um, in the early years, because uh, your mom wasn't always an addict, but she, were, she was your best friend. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, mom, big mama's boy growing up, for sure. Um, my parents were only together until I was about four and after the divorce. Any, any guy that looked at my mom, even as a little guy, said anything to my mom, I just wouldn't have it. I'd give him bad looks, say mean things to him, even as a little kid. Uh, I wanted my mom all for myself, and I didn't appreciate anybody – any other guy walking near her doing anything. So uh, always a big protector of my mom. When did she start getting addicted to drugs and how did that happen? So um, from my understanding, um, it started around in her college years. Uh, she was a athlete and she played soccer competitively in college for U of O. Um, was a great soccer player, coached at Sheldon High School for a little bit um, until she got injured. Uh, she was a really hard player, really aggressive, so obviously injuries happened, and um, she got prescribed pain medication um, for her injuries and certain surgeries that she was undergoing, and um, from that, she just had always been – from then on, she'd had this battle with – um, addictive pain medications and you know one thing leads to another and pain medications aren't doing it for you anymore so you go to harder drugs and um, it wasn't until I was in sixth grade when I started to notice the signs I'd find certain bottles around the house or um, weird behavior that I, I saw from her and um, her overall de deterioration over years um, watching that and just kind of realizing like my whatever part of my mom that was is starting to fade away and I I don't really know why how was that how did you did you tell anybody or did you just keep it to yourself yeah so I I kept that a secret for myself like I said I was a mama's boy and I was a protector of her um I didn't think telling anybody would help her and in my mind I was protecting her um, my stepdad at the time, he was also an addict. So they participated in their addiction together. Um, and I had two little brothers there as well to, um, look after while I was there with them in that household. And I just thought I can't tell anybody this because if I do, then I'll get taken away. She'll get the boys taken away from her and then I won't I see her again. And I just wanted to do everything I could to protect that relationship that I had with her and protect her in that situation. Um, and so I, yeah, I didn't tell anybody. I would wake up, go to school, get the boys ready for school, get them breakfast and um, just live my normal day until I got home. And that was it. So you had to grow up really fast. Yeah, I, I've been told that before. Um, yes. Uh, yeah, uh, my parents got divorced when, like I said, when I was about four years old. So um, divorces are messy. And it just, my first memory was um, them arguing 
my biological mom, my biological dad, and obviously that didn't end up well. And then it just, that's how my life started and that's how it continued to go. And I was like, all right, this is just normal life for people, right? Like this is how people live. And um, just through that, I developed a certain mindset that uh, I kept getting told over and over again, hey, this isn't found in regular kids. This isn't normal. You're uh, beyond your years. And I, I didn't understand that. I was like, ah, no, I think I'm just a regular kid. Right. But I later realized that that wasn't the case. So what was the hardest part at your mom for you? Definitely watching um, her deteriorate over the years. Cause you saw her go from, I mean, here she is. You didn't see her as a college student, obviously, but here she is a college student, an athlete. She's, you know, and then, you know, the prescription drugs, I'm sure that didn't look bad for a while. And then she got on, what was the harder stuff that she got on that you know of? Um, I know that she um, later went into some meth usage and um, I think she always kept the prescription drugs, but some uh, stronger Xanax and stuff like that. Um, she, which meth makes people paranoid and you could definitely, she was a paranoid person after a while and developed schizophrenic tendencies. So things like that. And um, so what is a kid? I mean, just like a, you're like a 15, 16 year old kid watching your mom do that. What, what do you think? I just, I had this defense mechanism. I would just go numb. I wouldn't feel anything. Um, there was, it was like something was switched on in my brain. Something kind of just this weird shield that was put up. You could shut it. You shut it down. Yeah. I would just, it, it wasn't even like I was there anymore. Like whatever, whenever I walked into that house, I was a different person. Um, and it was like this primal state of mind that I was in almost. And, uh, obviously still protective over my mom and um yeah it was it was a crazy feeling that still to this day i can feel that side of me there which i don't like but it's just a part of me now so do you find yourself now that she's gone have you turned it on and off again or do you feel like that's something you you can't even i mean do you acknowledge that other person there's like two of you um yeah, I don't try to. Um, I don't try to acknowledge it unless I really need to. Like when we got the news, um, I was with my family, obviously, and um, I wanted to be strong for my Nana and Papa, which are her parents and people that were in her house. And um, other than when I got the news, um, I didn't show any emotion or cry at all there's none of that it was all shut off and i refused to show that emotion because i knew in that moment i needed to be strong for them and i needed to protect them and my family and obviously make arrangements for the funeral and things like that and it just I refused to show that side and um, yeah it's 
definitely a weird thing. And I didn't really realize I had that side or understand like that any of that till I started having these. It was after my mom grew up. So the way it goes is we're living this secret life, right? And my stepdad, he had gotten clean for a little bit. And he took the boys and told everybody what was going on. And so this story that I had been hiding, this other side, this other life, and it was like the biggest thing in my community. And everybody coming up to me and trying to talk to me about it and just watching the secret I had unfold before my eyes was a lot. Um, because you were still protecting your mom. Yeah. And and so this was, you had been, you always had been a protector. So you here came this protector mode. And now all of a sudden, you know, I'm going to just put it, he's not here anymore anyway, but this guy's blabbing, uh, telling things going on in your family because he's found his, his good side or something. And you're going, wait, wait, wait I'm managing this. Um, and you're you're unmanaging it for me. Yeah, that has, that has to be really weird. It was really weird, and it caused a lot of anger. And that's when, like, that other side of me really started to show itself in ways that I didn't want it to. Um, like started, what? Like what? I started to have these weird panic attacks, but I would. My first one that I ever had, I was um, on the phone with a friend and they had said something to me and I snapped at them and I was yelling at them and I got aggressive <laughs> and then they had said something and it was like a light switch that turned off and I had realized what I just said to this person and what I how I treated them and it was this crazy overwhelming Feeling and I just broke down. I was seizing. I was like shaking. I couldn't control my body. I couldn't walk on my own. I was having trouble breathing and um, I was hearing things that weren't there. And I thought certain people were around me that weren't there. And um, it wasn't later till I went to counseling where, it, I mean, it, it kept happening over and over. And there were certain times where I'd get violent with people. I think there's someone who they're not and I'd hit them or kick them. Wow. And, um, I went, finally went to counseling, um, which I didn't want to, but, um, he was like, he explained to me that it was a form of PTSD and I, I didn't believe him. I was like, no, that happens to people in a war. That happens to like, you, people. you, you live through a war chase. Right. And that's what I had trouble um, realizing because I was like, this is just my life. Right. And I, but he started to unpack a few things and I would, that house wasn't a good house. And that it wasn't just my mom and stepdad doing bad things there. They would invite people in. There'd be homeless people in my house and all sorts of bad people, but I still had my brothers. And so I remember, and I think this is what it 
started this other side of me started to develop that I've been talking about is I would have my brothers in my room with me at night and my window could see the front door and they would be sleeping in my bed, but I'd be sitting there either with a knife or like a bat, something that I could hurt somebody with because I'd watch people come in and out of my house. And I would think if I heard anything or anybody tried to get into my room that I was going to take them out. I was going to kill them. And that, and I'd sit up all night and I'd watch this window and I'd see these shadows go back and forth and I'd hear arguing or whatever it was. And I would just stay up all night waiting and um, whether it was going to be my mom that was in trouble or the, my little brothers, I was waiting to act on that and protect my family. So Chase, the fact that you as a young man went to therapy is really good. Cause I, I had, I waited till I was in my thirties and then I went in and had, it's just having someone else help you unpack things because you can't see it because of that trauma in your life. Right. And I think we're all like that. Um, but there's brave people that go to, to therapy and then there's people that just keep living that way. And you didn't want to live that way. No, I, I couldn't. Um, these, episodes were happening every week and and you were how old when that was going on um i think i was 15 15 or yeah i was 15 so 15 and 16 is when i started having those episodes and once i started happening at first it was once in a while and then it was every week and um once it got to that every week mark i i couldn't live like that anymore and that's when I finally, after months of people telling me, you need to go to counseling, like, um, is when I finally said yes. And I'm glad I did because my counselor that helped me through this, it was crazy coincidence and it was definitely a God thing. Um, he was my mom's counselor. He was my stepdad's counselor. He was my dad's counselor. Um, my Nana and my mom, um, had gone in to see him together. So he knew every side of the story. Right. And then I came in. And so he was really able and well-equipped to help me with what I needed. All right. Hold that thought because when we come back, I want you to talk about <clears throat> the next step. Um, Chase has been going to school. He's got a plan. He's got a dream. And as we told you at the beginning of the show, part of that plan and dream is to um, adopt his stepbrothers. So we'll be right back. I've been in dentistry for 17 years and I've been with our practice for about two. And I have found that um, surgeons and doctors, they just really love what they're doing. This has a pretty significant need here in Montana. So the thing is that they've really focused on um, a lot of tooth extractions, like I said, uh, dental implants is really their specialty. One of the things that's distinctly different about an oral surgeon versus most general dentists or other specialists is that sedation component. The training to be able to safely administer sedation medications uh, is, is really advanced. And so our doctors uh, went through a lot of additional training in order to be able to do that safely. We have four locations, actually. Wow. Yeah. So we have a location here in Helena, and then we will have one in Bozeman, one in Butte, and one in Great Falls. 
what is it about dentistry that just connected for you? Because I mean, it's, it's quite a jump from journalism <laughs> to de- to yeah. being a doctor. I'm not the most social person in the world, like like not like you, um, but I do like interaction with people, uh, and it's fun people being people's doctors. And I feel like I am a caring person, so I like figuring stuff out. I can figure it out. I can diagnose a tooth almost better than anybody. I've had people come in, they've been to three other dentists, they can't figure out what's going on. And I can, I, I like that. It's like a, like being a, a detective. And you've also really centered your practice on buying American with your crowns and that kind of, I mean, that's, oh, yeah. that's really important to you. Yeah. If I could buy, if I could buy everything hundred percent American, I would, it's hard. Like I even told my reps, I've, I've repeated my reps several times. Like I don't want to buy stuff from China. I want to try to buy stuff in the United States. So my, my crowns are American. Uh, I even talked to the lab into making sure they buy all the products from America. Like we need- and if you're just tuning in, our guest tonight, I've got this new thing on my program. And I'll tell you what, it's just bizarre. Oh, now how did that come in there? Oh, I must have hit something. Okay, here we go. There. Oh, well, that's even different. Now we're really big. There uh, we go. I've got this new cursor, and it, it touches things, and all of a sudden, uh, something will pop out, and I'm going, oh, my gosh, I'm trying to still help learn how to use that. So, anyway, this is Chase McCord, and he is, um, his mother recently passed. Uh, she was uh, struck and killed by a car down in California. Uh, she lived most of her life, and the latter part of her life as an addict. Uh, he was raised in a home with a split home, but one, one home was a Christian home and with dad and stepmom and brothers and sisters. And then he had his other home. And so, uh, you basically kind of had like two lives, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a very two faced life that I was living. Oh, now you called it two faced. Yes. Explain that. Yeah. So, um, at my mom's house, I just was this, quiet kid that uh, was trying to block out all the noise and um, would numb whatever that I saw and just made sure that my number one priority was to make sure that my brothers were safe and that my mom in any way that I could was safe Um, and trying to erase scenes that I have, have seen and like I was like I was saying I was just another person that was just ready to either cook a meal for my brothers or fight anybody who was going to come into my house. Um, and I had this mindset as a little kid, and it was these big dudes coming in my house or these grown women, and I I didn't care. Um, it was going to be either my family. Um, or it was going to be either me or them because they weren't getting to my family. That was the mindset. And then going over to my dad's house. Um, you were a kid again? Yeah. I, I was able to kind of – I was still able to suppress those feelings from my mom's house, but it helped me block it out. Um, if I was with friends, I hung out with friends a lot. Um, tried to not be his home as much as I could because I could just be goofy with my friends and they didn't care about whatever I was doing. Um, and then had two little sisters and an older stepbrother at my dad's house. And so being the middle child, I was able to fly under the radar a little bit better with certain things and um, 
I just was this goofy, goofy kid. And that's what they saw me as. And, um, just kind of, like I said, flew under the radar, um, the little girls needing to be ten to, and then my older brother, he had certain problems with his own things and being a rebellious kid. Um, so I just kind of flew under quietly and was like, "Yeah, hey, I'm gonna go to a friend's house or do whatever." And it helped. It helped for sure because um, I wasn't in my mom's house a hundred percent of the time. Right. So, so you've now gone to school. Uh, you yeah. tell people kind of your EMT training. Uh, what you're doing with your with your life at this point? Yeah, so um, it's the super generic story, but I've wanted to be a firefighter for my whole life. Um, Coburg Fire, which is a local fire department, came to my school when I was a kindergartner, and I, I have pictures of me in the big turnout coat as a little guy and in the engines and stuff. And um, just from there on, I was sold. Um, did a career class uh, in high school and I was able to do a ride along with the fire department. And um, as soon as I turned 18, I found out about resident programs. And what that is, is you can move and live full time in the firehouse. Right. You don't, you don't have to pay rent uh, or utilities. You live there for free. You get free training. But um, in return, you live there and you go on all the calls. Um, and so I heard, Hey, I can move out of my parents' house for free and go pursue <laughs> and, my and the firefighter thing. Yeah. I want to do this. Yeah. So, um, definitely that was a part, a big part in my story. Cause if I didn't go that route, um, I would have been a whole different person. Um, making that decision saved my life for sure. Um, why? Um, because in a firehouse, it, there was discipline. I was pursuing my dream, was training, um, had to cook for myself. Uh, my captains would come in and it's uh, paramilitary, right? So daily chores, make sure everything's clean. You have to be in uniform. Um, and it kept me out of trouble. Um, so it was structure, real structure, real, real good structure. And that paired with wrestling in high school. Uh, wrestling high school obviously kept me very disciplined and out of trouble as well. Um, so it was good to roll into something else after high school, um, going forward with being a resident firefighter. And, uh, I got in into it for the fires, and then I realized 90% of what we do is medical. Um, and I learned to love it, and I made the decision to go get my EMT recently. I did all the online stuff, and then I would drove off to Idaho for a week, did all my practical skills, and went through the certification process, and am now practicing. So tell people about, um, I'm writing down questions that come up in my head. Uh, that are more appropriate for later, but I don't want to forget because I'm old, Chase, and this will happen to you too. Um, uh, hold on to, yeah. Okay. Um, tell people what you're, so you got two brothers, 12 and 10. Uh, oh, and I got pictures. Hold on. I got pictures of the brothers. So hold on. Here we go. Oh, yeah. So that's this Christmas. 
And that is actually, that photo is taken in the house. That's in my mom's house. Okay. So right around, that's the age right there that you see where things were going downhill. And I like that one too. Yep. So you plan to adopt them. And yes. You're, and you're 20 years old. Yep. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I kind of have this new mission in life that I'm going to work as hard as I can and do everything I can to um, purchase a home and adopt my brothers and um, fulfill that. Um, I I know deep down uh, my stepdad and my mom wanted to give them a home where they could live in. I know that that's truly what they wanted. They They did love us with everything that they had. And they just were sick and had this thing that they were going through that they couldn't seem to shake no matter what they did. Um, and so I don't feel like I'll fully feel at peace until I get them and they can know, they can look down and know up in heaven, they can look down and know, Hey, what we've always wanted to give you boys, you did it for us. And as soon as I am able to do that, I think I'll feel at peace. So your plan is to get enough money. You can buy a house, get yeah. kind of get some plans going. You're doing your schooling and all that. You have a girlfriend that you're pretty serious with because yes. um, we've already talked about that privately. And, and you said you told her, I mean, you know, hi, I'm a 20 year old guy. I'm almost 21. Um, you're marrying, you know, someday you might marry me. This what could be our plan. And we'll have an automatic family. And yeah, yeah. 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 So that that was definitely a scary conversation to go into. Um once once I heard news about my mom, I came up to her and I was like, Look, I have these two brothers that are orphans now, and uh, this is what I'm doing. And if you want to do it with me, that's amazing. If you know, I understand. And I was kind of expecting, oh, I'm okay. Like, <laughs> uh, you got that. Um, she just looked at me and said that she would be honored to do that with me. And she had met my brothers before and hung out with them. And she told me that she loved my brothers and loved me and said, nope, we're, we're doing this together. So. I I just would stop. It was the best way that conversation could have gone. So um, right now the boys are living with the grandparents. Yes. But you told me they your grandparents don't need to be parents again. They need to be grandparents, and that's yes. why you want to take them on so that they can play the grandparent role, not the parent role. Right. Yeah. Um, they're getting older. And those boys are getting smarter. So uh, I can see that they know how to do certain things or say certain things to get their way with their grandparents. It's called manipulation. Very manipulative. Very. Because they, they just they grew up in that environment too. So they have certain things that in their brain that the people their age, they shouldn't know. But they're good at it. So, uh, yeah, um, I see that and I just 
That's I want to give them structure because anytime they're with me, they know I mean business. It's big brother. Like is when I say something, they understand that that means this is what you're going to do. There's no talking back or anything. This is how it is. And I try to give them structure and I think they have that respect for me because growing up, I was that parent figure and um, still have that mindset with them. But um, yeah, I've gained skills. Um, like, like I was saying, our private conversation, I've had good models to try to like, but I've also had a lot of bad role models where I looked at them thinking I'm never going to be like that. So I think even though I am young, I do believe that God has equipped me with that I need boys a structured home and to give them the guidance that they need and be able to call my dad up anytime that I need ask him a question so that's a blessing as well that I still have my dad and a great stepmom that uh, I would be able to uh, call them and hey I have this question for you I'm struggling with this parenting and I've, I've done that before already i've been with them and called my dad up and like hey how do i deal with this situation been able to all right this is what you need to do that's a, I, I have a good community to back me people are asking what can the community do to help there is actually a gofundme there's the number it's on the on the comment section uh trying to raise some money to help him um that's not the purpose of this interview but that's a, another thing i knew people would want to <clears throat> know how they can help do you, um, Chase, do you, ever, do you ever wonder, like, do you kind of miss that? I, I mean, I, I kind of feel like, I, you, as you're talking, I'm seeing similarities between me and you, and I didn't have addictive, but, you know, we all come in messy families. Right. And I remember, you know, shutting down Rick or Ricky. Yeah. It was Ricky shutting him down because it would hurt too bad if he did. Do you ever kind of think, what happened to my childhood? Um, yes and no. Um, I only think about my childhood when it gets brought up to me. I have, I do have a lot of people say, you just need time to be a kid. You need to just be a kid. And my response to them always is, I've been dealt this, um, this hand and I need to deal with it. Like this is, this is just my life. When you, and you look at it differently because it's not really a hand. You've been given an opportunity of a lifetime. Exactly. You, know I mean? yeah. you got to help your mother through really super difficult times and you know, she knew that. Right. And you're now you're trying to help your little brothers. I mean, what, honestly, if you sit and think about, I think we all want these little perfect lives or something where we're, you know, but if you think about it, that is a perfect, I mean, you, you have the opportunity to impact people that, I mean, it isn't that what we all kind of want is to be valued and, and, and have a, a purpose and your purpose is super clear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I was having a, this conversation with one of my best friends and he, he was my, uh, Christian youth group leader growing up and he plays a big, big part of my life. And um, 
uh, it was right after I heard about my mom and I was bouncing these ideas off of him and it was like, this is what I'm going through and just trying to decompress. And um, he had brought it to my attention that God had been preparing me for this moment my whole life. Yeah. Um, parents split when I was young. So I was around uh, a divorced split family and arguing and they did still didn't get along throughout the divorce and custody. And that was a weird thing. Bringing new people into my life. That was hard to navigate. And then, um, having to deal with my mom's side of the family. And then, um, it just, it was like one thing after another, this developing thing in my life where it was like, as soon as I would go to maybe start be a kid, it would be something else. And it just developed, developed, developed. And he was explaining this to me and he, he just said, this is your, your purpose. This is what you've been equipped to do with that. God's been putting his armor on you and equipping you with these skills because this is your story. And it like stopped me and it struck me. And I was like, oh my gosh, you're totally right. This is this is just my life. This is just my story. And right. so at any time I do get that, oh, you need to be a kid. I'm like, nope, that's not my plan. That's not my path. This is my path. And this is, and I'm proud of it. And I'm okay with it. I, I really am okay with it. I don't have any regret of not being able to experience certain things that I didn't experience. Right. How many, you know what I think is funny? Like when people say, you know, like, <clears throat> you know, shit happens and right, yeah. they go, well, they never got to go to their prom. Oh, for yeah. God's sake. I mean, yeah. like the prom, really? You know, I mean, I, and I'm not equating that to you. I'm just saying, it's just funny how we look at things like, well, you know, but poor Chase, he never really got to have that normal life. What is a normal life? I would exactly. like somebody to explain that to me because yeah. I, I don't think any of us has a normal life. So exactly. what role did God play in all this? Um, yeah, it's oh, he's a lot. He a big role for sure. Um, my faith has gotten me to places where I never thought I'd be. Um, he in those times where I felt alone in the room, hearing arguing, trying to go to sleep, knowing I had school the next day, like his his presence was there, like certain things that I was struggling with is I just always had this heavy presence of him. And every time that I would fall away from him, he would always string me back in with something. And so when all this started in about sixth grade, when everything was going downhill and I was falling away from his presence and my faith, he put young life, this Christian community in front of me and they brought me in and he, brought me back in every time through my youth group leaders. Um, and then being in my dad's household, us going to church and still having that Christian side and never fully losing it. Um, yeah. So, was- so, so what you're telling me is that you really had a father all the time. Oh, absolutely. So you, you had stepfathers and, and 
split up families and all that. But your your real true father was always there for you. And you've learned your parenting skills from the ultimate parent. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like we said before, nobody has perfect lives, but um, what happened for me, it is perfect. It's it came from him and I refuse to ha have any doubt in what he has for me. I remember when I had um, cancer and people would say, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm praying for your healing. And so I'd say, well, did you ask God, does he want to heal me? Right. They say, well, <laughs> they'd say, well, of course he does. I said, no, 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 no. Did you ask him that? And did he tell you? And they yeah. go, well, why? Don't you want to be healed? And I said, well, of course I want to be healed. But, but if you, if I'm not supposed to be healed and you pray for my healing and then I get healed and then I die of de with dementia, I'll come back and find you. Yeah. You know, because there's worse things than dying of cancer. And I yeah. think dying from dementia would be the worst thing on the world. So it's right. like, I don't think we really have this, you know, and I'm not saying I feel like that all the time. I just don't think we have this perception of what's going on where it's like, if you truly believe that the story we're creating is being co-authored by God, the father, then you know that all, you know, in a good book, what are the things that make it worth reading? The drama that, the, the, you know, you don't, you don't go to a, a, a movie and that doesn't have a crash scene or somebody, the bad guy chasing you, or, I mean, that's what makes life interesting. And yet we, as people try to smother all that out of our lives. So we have this really boring life and then we wonder why we're bored. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I see that a lot in today's society. We have it so good that, and I'm friends with a lot of people and I know a lot of people like this. We have it so good in life that people look for problems. Right. People look for drama and it's crazy um, that even though that they are not supposed to have this drama in their life and they're not supposed to have these struggles in their life right now, they want it so bad and they go looking for it. And that's why you have so many, oh, poor me. And, oh, I'm such a victim. And this is what's going on in my life. But if God just wants you to be good right now, just let him let you be good right now and accept it. If he wants you to go through chaos, then go through chaos. Because like you said before, it's all opportunity. Right. It's, all it's how you look at it. Absolutely. I remember one time I was having a little conversation with God and, um, and, and I, I, you know, it's, it's not, and I don't want people thinking like, it's not like God goes, Oh, and now Rick, but you know, he's probably like you. I just get this impression. And I felt like God was telling me this little story going, okay, Rick, here's your life. You're in a raft, a rubber raft, and you have no oars and there's, you're in the ocean. Now, sometimes the ocean's calm and sometimes it whips up a storm and you got waves that you think is going to turn it over. But that raft, you can always hang on to that raft. And I said, how come you didn't give me any oars? Yeah. He says, because if I give you oars, you'll steer, you'll just take off in panic and go one direction. I said, can I just have one? He goes, no, then you'll just go around in circles because you're going to have one oar and you're just going to do this. So you just hold on, trust me, and I'll get you through it. And I really believe that's how life is supposed to be. It's, yeah. all, about, it's all about the dinging. It is. It is. Absolutely. So last thing I'll ask you, you are, so, I really like you. Um, <laughs> I think you're an amazing kid. I'll take you. You can be my stepkid if you ever want to, you know, and I mean, yeah. I, I'd love to have you, Chase. 
I've um, never been to Montana, so I'll have. Oh, to I got it. I got an Airbnb in the basement. I will give you when you get your boys. You three can come over and stay, and you can bring your girlfriend. Um, and you guys can come stay, and you just hang out. Um, you will great. see the biggest skies you've ever seen in your life. That's amazing. Um, yeah, no, it's it's cool. My last question for you: What would you say to your mom right now? Mm. That's a good question. <laughs> That's why I wrote it down when I thought of it. Yeah. Um, I would probably just first I would give her a hug and hold her as tight as I could for as long as I could. And while I was hugging her, just tell her that she doesn't have to worry anymore just to relax and I'll take it from here. And just that I hope she can feel peace and that any guilt, addiction, or regret that she was strung down by here that can just be lifted off of her. And I, and I got it. Just don't worry. And what would you tell her about your brothers? That, um, that they're going to be good boys. They're going to be really good boys. And they are good boys. They've always been good boys. You will live on through us three. And everything that you brought and everything that people loved about you will continue on through us and the boys will go places that you will look down and be so proud of. Chase, your mom would be really, I'm sure she's really proud of you already. Um, and I'm sure your dad's going to be watching this and be very proud of you. Um, yeah. God's, God's good. He is. He, he really is. Yeah. He knows how to make, um, I can just look at you and I know this is all going to work out. You know what I mean? Right. I'm so, thank you for letting me be a part of your life twice now. Oh, of course. Yeah. I, I hope there's, I hope there's more when you let me know what, how things go. And again, you guys, he does have a GoFundMe. Um, if you're interested in helping this young man out, um, it's on the comment section. Um, and also share this on your page. Um, yeah, there's your dad already. Also, you can't see these things. I'll have to put it up for you. Um, <laughs> there's dad. <laughs> We get the comments and there's been a bunch of other comments on here. You could go back and look, but um, I, I just didn't want to interrupt the flow of the conversation and stuff like that. Dude. Uh, yeah. I'm just, I'm honored um, to have this conversation with you and that you're, you're really a different dude. And I, and I mean that in a completely, uh, 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 I don't want to say I'm humbled. I'm just, I because humbled is such a stupid overused word. I'm, yeah. just, I'm just honored um, to be able to share your story with people because I think that's how life changes for a lot of people. And I hope there's a lot of people out there that hear this and think that they're living. There's people, a lot of people living in the same life you were. Right. And they're going through that right now. And um, 
And I just, uh, I hope that, I, I think this helps. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely hope that people out there with either similar or just are struggling in their own um, unique ways that they uh, can see this if they're meant to see it and know that they're not alone and uh, take something from it. Like you said, we all struggle in our own unique ways and I could tell my story and someone else might think, man, you had it good. That's, that's nothing. Um, and there's always someone that quote unquote has it worse than, than you. So right. uh, this, this is for everybody, everybody out there that's struggling. They, they can, um, they can get through it. Yeah. All right, buddy. Um, I appreciate your time. I just, I just don't want to let you go. I'm having so much fun talking to you. All right. You be good. I will. Let me know how things go, okay? Of course. Thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. You're welcome, Chase. See you later. Oh, my God. <sighs> I expected that. Um. It just kind of makes the whole, all the, you know, oh, I don't know, all the crap that's going on in the world, it just doesn't really matter. You know, you look at that and you go, man, all these people that don't want to work and, and just expect something for free, get a freaking life, you know? This is a hard thing we are in. Life is not meant to be easy. And if you want the easy way out, you'll have the most boring, unaffected life that you have. And that's why there's so many people, I think, on drugs, taking medications, on Ritalin, um, unhappy, the suicide rate so high, because we've taught people the wrong thing. We've taught people that life is supposed to be easy and that things are supposed to just go as a flow. But as you just saw, that's not the way, that's not a reality check. And even in homes where two parents are still there together and everything looks good on the outside, there are people suffering and they are afraid to go get help. Key things that that young man said, he went to a therapist. Now, you can either be embarrassed about it or you can just man up and go do it. And he did it. I've been to a therapist. I've been for three years in my 30s because I had issues with my father. And he was dead. So there was no one to talk to but God. Um, I, we've got it too easy, folks, and we've got to we've got to go back to doing this. Oh man, oh, God is good, and if you're writing your story and you're stuck, um, I I think you just. Go back and watch that whole interview. I think you'll figure out how to get unstuck. I want to thank our sponsors because we can't do this without them. Um, and um, God, I'm just, I am a mess. Our sponsors, Chris Dental Family Dentistry. Um, Bratlin, you'll be so proud of this show. Uh, Montana Oral Surgeons. Uh, you guys, I'm sure you're all Please as punch to be sponsoring something like this. And Fairway, um, my good friend Greg Hinkle, Fairway Mortgage, uh, Mortgage Lender. 
Um, we couldn't do this without you guys. And we couldn't do it without you, the audience, too. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Share this on your page. And I, I, I ask you this, and I can go. The problem for you guys is I can go on my records, and I can see how many people really share. So I'm on to you. So share this on your page because you do not know who is sitting there on the Internet. We'll pull this up, and this will bless them or, t or save their freaking lives. So share it on your page right now. You just hit share from where you're watching it and it goes right on your page and put a little thing from you to write that what you, what, why this is good for people to watch because they're your friends are not mine and they're not Chase's. So you relate to your friends and then they get to watch this thing because you don't know who it's going to help. Ah, oh, I needed a good cry. And I got it. I knew that was going to be a great story. Oh my gosh. Okay, so what's coming up tomorrow night? I just closed my book. Um, oh, tomorrow night there's a, a new bill, a gun bill in Oregon. And my friend Ben Idle out of Portland is going to come talk to us. He hangs out at the legislature. He knows everything about it. And then Bill London will be here as well. Next week, um, I'm going to be gone. I'm going to be back there in Oregon for a week. And I have got some of the greatest shows for you guys. So I've already taped everything up. I did two of them today. We're going to, we're going to just blow it out of the water next week. So I have a guy who's a native American, Montana, and he's going to talk about, he's had a really tough life. Uh, got a rash in the war and what that's done to his life. So that's next week. I just talked with a woman from Cresswell, Oregon, who now lives in Montana. She, she and her husband train bucking horses. <laughs> Who knew? I didn't know you trained bucking horses. So she tells you got pictures, video. She's going to tell us all about this industry called bucking horses. And these are the ones you see at the rodeo. She's charming and she's really interesting and it's really visual. It's a fun show. And I just got done today taping an interview with a young man, man named Zach Childers. Zach has cerebral palsy. Zach was told by doctors he would never walk. Uh, Zach's parents uh, gave him up. Uh, a woman with spinal bifida adopted him. She took him in his wheelchair and she dumped the wheelchair over so that he fell out. And she says, you are going to walk. Zach is now a bodybuilder. <laughs> I'm not kidding. He's a full-fledged bodybuilder. And he's changed his life. And in about a month, he will be the father of a little boy named Benjamin. He never had a dad. And he's going to be the dad that he never had to that little boy, Benjamin. So you're going to hear his story. You guys ask for good shit. That's what I deliver. That's why it's called Get Real with Rick Dancer. Because that is about as real as it gets. See you later. Don't forget to share it.